0: I appreciate very much the opportunity that we all have to study God's Word this morning. appreciate the prayer on my behalf. My prayer is is that I can bring the Bible, the truth, in such a fashion that it will benefit each and every one of us. If you knew me in my youth you know that I didn't always make good choices. My brother Mark mentioned that excuse me, I'll get it going. He mentioned that if my acquaintances mistook Mark and I, and called him Lyle in the present, he was good with that. But if it was someone from my way past, he wondered about it, because I did not make good choices in my youth. And it's not this morning that I want to discuss whether God's going to win over Satan. That's already established. It's not established in my heart and it's not established in your heart. It may be at this minute, it may be on this day, that we do serve God. We need to make sure that we continue to serve God. And it is that we are given the tools to accomplish this. We can be successful in gaining that heavenly reward. We can serve God and Jesus as we're supposed to if we spend our time in prayer and we put our focus on the Bible. And so it's no question who's going to win between God and Satan in the big picture. The question is what am I doing with this? Genesis 1 and 1, God is... Supreme, there is no question. And I know there's no one here that doubts that God is supreme. He existed before anything else did. Genesis 1 and 1, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. There is great things on this earth. He created all the animals. He created men and women. He created it all. And so He is supreme. Let's notice that in Genesis 1, verse 26, God said to those around Him, Let us make man in our image. So you and I are not physically like God, but we possess a soul that makes us in God's image after God's likeness let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, and over all the earth and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth." Earth. You and I are blessed. Adam and Eve were blessed that they had dominion over all of the creation that God through Jesus Christ had created. We have the tools to make this work, as I said. 2 Corinthians 10, verses 3 through 5, for though we walk in the flesh, yes, we have to live in this world each and every day, but we do not war according to the flesh. I think that's where I have failed occasionally, because I get sucked into the fleshly battles. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, they're not physical, but mighty in God to pulling down strongholds. And so God gives us the means to win this battle, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Now beware, in the world about us there are many things that are against the knowledge of God. Let's not be sucked in by that. And it is our challenge to bring every thought into the captivity, into obedience of Christ. If we obey Christ, we're fulfilling God's will for us. The only true success is to serve God, in Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 1, verses 18 through 20. There's godly wisdom offered to us in the Bible. Let's use it. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. There's many that don't want to admit that Jesus Christ perished on the cross. We need to hold to that. We need to commemorate that this morning. That is a foundation principle of what we believe. Death ruled supreme until Jesus Christ died on the cross, arose from the dead, He conquered death, and He conquered Satan. And so the message of the cross is foolishness to a lot of those about us. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise. God is not going to allow the wisdom of the wise to, uh, to overcome him. And he is going to bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise, the writer says. Paul says, where is the scribe? Where is the dispute of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? The wisdom of the world serves us in the physical sense, but that's of small importance because the wisdom of God serves us in a spiritual sense. Let's go back to very early in the Bible. We've already... Notice Genesis 1 and 1 where God created everything. In Genesis 3, 1 through 15, He had created Eve to be a helpmate, a worthy helper for Adam, and placed them in that Garden of Eden and give them a, a simple task. It should have been very easy for them to have accomplished this task. But guess what? Satan was there just like he is in the world about us every day. And so Genesis 1, verse 3 through 15 says, Then the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And Eve said to the serpent, We may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the middle of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat it or shall you even touch it lest you die. She knew it. She knew it from A to Z. But look what happens. But... Uh, But of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said you shall not eat it and you shall not touch it unless you die. For God knows in the day you eat it, your eyes shall be open, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And so Eve knew what the law was there. But the serpent brought a contrast, a contrasting approach and so let's go now to verse number six, And when the woman saw the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and the tree to be uh, desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit and ate it. And so the serpent put the question in her mind. He challenged her, and she fell for this challenge that Satan, presented to to her. And so she saw that it was good for food, pleasant to the eyes, a tree to be desired to make one wise. Let's remember that in first John two and verse sixteen the writer says for all is in the world, the lust of the flesh, which is good for food, the lust of the eyes which means that it was pleasant to the eyes, and the pride of life, which means tree desirable to make one wise, it says, these are not of the Father, but they are of the world. So you and I today have a double lesson in that we don't serve the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Eve... Fell to that. And she took of that fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her and he ate. And then what happened? Just as Satan had predicted, the eyes of both of them were opened and they knew that they were naked. They weren't gods. Satan said, You're going to be like a god, you'll know right from wrong. But they were not as God. Satan lied. Satan tempted them with untruth. And so they're naked. They sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. What happened next? They had to own it. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. They knew. They knew they were in trouble. And so let's continue. Lord God called out to Adam. He held the man responsible. Adam should have known better. Eve should have known better. They should have stuck together and resisted Satan, which they did not. And so the Lord God speaks to Adam first and says to Adam, where are you? And Adam, uh, he said, Adam said, I heard your voice in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. And God said, who told you that you were naked? Because prior to that, they had no knowledge of being naked. Have you eaten, Adam, from the tree of, wh- of that which I commanded you that you should not eat? And then Adam the man said, God, Eve over there gave it to me. She gave me of the tree and I ate. That's human nature. We want to blame somebody else. Adam blamed Eve. He wanted to pass the buck. Did God allow that? And so the Lord God says to Eve the woman, what is this you have done? And Eve said, the serpent deceived me. She's following that same old sorry game, point the finger, pass the buck. It's the devil's fault. It's the devil's fault. And that's not wrong, but did God buy that? And so God says to the serpent, because you have done this, you are cursed more than all cattle, more than every beast of the field. On your belly you shall go, and you shall eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your, heel, or your head, and, and you shall bruise his heel. And so there was a curse placed first on Satan. Secondly, curse placed on man that he was going to have to earn his food by the sweat of his brow. There was a curse put on the ladies and the aspect that childbirth was to be a challenge. And the worst part of that, they were kicked out of the garden. This blessed place, they were kicked out of that garden. So Satan succeeded in placing mankind in a disadvantaged or in, in, in a less position because we, we are out in the world and we have to work and we have all of these death has passed upon us and so we have these challenges because Satan succeeded in the Garden of Eden but Lyle Miller cannot blame Adam and he cannot blame Eve because Lyle Miller has failed just like they have. I'm going to switch a little bit more positive. So there are great Bible examples of successes of godly people. Job is one of my favorites. And so, as a young farmer, the worst thing that could happen to a young farmer, in my mind, was to get a hail out. You've worked, and you've got this crop established, and then the weather comes along, and hail wipes it into nothing. And so Job is a great example for a young farmer that gets a hail out, because Job suffered great loss, and Job sinned not. We have struggles and challenges every day. We lose loved ones. We have financial difficulties. Probably the worst, hardest thing in the world is to lose your mom and dad and your parents and and your family. Job is a great example of all of this, and I used to run to Job a lot. Job was very valuable to me. So let's look at Job. (coughs) Job. He, uh, let's find out who Job was. There was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job, and that man was blameless and upright and one who feared God and shunned evil. Remarkable. He had seven sons, three daughters. Also, his possessions were 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, 500 female donkeys, and a very large household, so that Job was the greatest of all the people of the East. And so, Job had it all. I would be kind of jealous of Job. He was a wealthy man. He was a great man. But let's notice what time brought for Job. Job 1, verses 6 through 12. Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came among them. So Satan must walk here and he must walk there. Satan's everywhere and thus the lord said to satan from where do you come and satan answered the lord and said from going to and fro on the earth and from walking back and forth on it so satan is everywhere around us and the lord said to satan have you considered my servant job that there is none like him on the earth a blameless and upright man one who fears god and shuns evil, and so God was proud of Job. Is God proud of Lyle Miller this morning? Is God proud of you? Let's make sure that we try to follow in Job's footsteps and have the Lord proud of us. And so the reason that God was proud of Job is because Job knew that God was supreme. He didn't follow other things than God. And so Satan answered the Lord and said, Does Job fear God for nothing? You've made a hedge around him. You're protecting him. You've put protection around his household, around all that he has on every side. You've blessed the work of his hands and his possessions you've increased in the land. But now, if you stretch out your hand and touch all that he has, he will surely curse you to your face. So here is a challenge. And the Lord said to Satan, Behold, all that he has is in your power, only do not lay a hand on his person. So Satan went out from the presence, of the Lord. The next thing that happens to Job is horrendous. Messengers just came one after the other and said, All your possessions have been taken, they're stolen. The last thing that I believe that happened is a messenger came and said, I'm the only one that escaped because a great wind came out of the east and destroyed the house of the oldest brother where all of his children were. So all of his children are dead. His possessions are zero. And so Job lost it all. Let's notice here in Job 20 and verse 22 what Job did. He didn't go into... He didn't blame others. Job arose. He he got himself together. He tore his robe, shaved his head, and he fell to the ground and did what? He worshipped. He worshipped God. He didn't blame God. Many want to blame God for their problems. Job worshipped. And he said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked shall I return there. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And all this Job did not sin, nor charge God with wrong. And so there again, that is a great example. But that's not the end of the story. So again, the sons of God come to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan comes along and presents himself, and God again says, Where you come from, Satan? And answered the Lord and said, I'm coming from to and fro on the earth and walking back and forth on it. And again, the Lord says to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? that there is none like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man, one who fears God and shuns evil, and still he holds fast to his integrity, although you incited me against him to destroy him without cause. So Satan answers the Lord and said, Skin for skin, yea, all that a man hath, has, he will give for his life. So you've protected his life, God, but you stretch out your hand now and touch his bone and his flesh, and he will surely curse you to your face. And the Lord said to Satan, Behold, he is in your hand, but spare his life. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord and struck Job with painful boils from the sole of his foot to the crown of his head. And Job took for himself a potsherd with which he scraped himself while he sat in the midst of the ashes. And then Job's wife says to him, Do you still hold fast your integrity? Curse God and die. She was no help. Curse God and die. But Job resists this and says to his wife, you speak as one of the foolish women speaks. Shall we indeed accept good from God, and shall we, shall we not accept adversity? And all this Job did not sin with his lips." A great example for, for a young Lyle Miller to not sin to resist adversity, to use God in overcoming all adversity. It's said that the hardest thing to do is to keep your mouth shut. Don't sin with your lips. And Job did not sin with his lips. I don't think that he sinned with his heart because I think if he had had something on his heart, it would have come out of his... Mouth, And so Job is a great example. I don't want to just end here with Job, because he is more than just a, a devil resister. He embraced God. John 9, 1 through 3, Job answered and said, Truly I know it is so, but how can a man be righteous before God? If one wished to contend with him, he could not answer him one out of a thousand. And so through Job's relationship with God, which it was close, Job begins to maybe show a little bit of pride in that I am overcoming Satan and I'm winning. And God... Says, I want to ask you some questions. And I thank God, asked him some 40 questions. He wanted to know where Job was when the uh, world was created. Job could not answer those questions. And so, Job is humbled. I don't know that pride got a hold of Job, but he lost some of his humility and his relationship with God. God put him in his place. And so this is after God has shown him really how ignorant he was compared to God. He says, how is it that a man can be righteous before God? That's impossible without the blood of Jesus Christ. And he says when God asks questions, it's hard to answer one out of a thousand. He continues this. He says, Job says, Sheol is naked before him, and destruct- destruction has no covering. God stretches out the north over empty space. He hangs the earth on nothing. You think those back in the sailing ship days that thought the earth was flat had ever read this? The earth is suspended on nothing. And and the Bible talks about the circle of the earth. So there's lots of information in in God's Word. And so Job knew that God hangs the earth on nothing, he binds up the water in his thick clouds, yet the clouds are not broken under it. It's amazing the way that moisture is dis- distributed, o- distributed over the earth through a cloud system. Those clouds, many of them, develop over the ocean and bring fresh water for the earth, and so creation is wonderful. Let's notice what the Lord says. <coughs> Job 38, verses 1 through 4. Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, Who is this who darkens counsel by words without knowledge? Now prepare yourself like a man. I will question you, and you shall answer me. Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. I got a little ahead of myself. This is when the questions come. And this is the first question. Where were you when the foundations of the earth came? And so God is supreme over Job. God is supreme over you and I. Let's go to Job forty two, one, three, five, and six. And again. God uh, has asked Job some 40 questions, tough questions, about like the first one. And so this is Job's humble answer in, as he uh, bows before the Lord. Job answered the Lord and said, I know that you can do everything and that no purpose of yours can be withheld from you, you ask, Who is this who hides counsel without knowledge? Therefore I have uttered what I do not understand, things too wonderful for me which I do not know. Listen, please, and let me speak. You said, I will question you, and you shall answer me. I have heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eyes see." see you therefore I abhor myself and repent in dust and ashes and so it doesn't serve a purpose for us to lose our humility especially humility before God and in the end of of Job's relationship with God he is very humble one more Scripture with Job. Now Job's friends have deducted with themselves that all this evil cannot have befallen Job if he wasn't something's wrong. He's a bad guy. This kind of stuff don't happen to a good man. And so God forces his three friends that had accused him of doing wrong of coming and asking for forgiveness. And Job did forgive them. So Job 42.10, verses 12 through 13, And the Lord restored Job's losses when he prayed for his friends. He forgave them. He didn't hold a thing against them. He followed the Lord's instruction to the letter. Indeed, the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before, now the Lord blessed the latter days of Job more than his beginning, for he had 14,000 sheep, 6,000 camels, 1,000 yoke of oxen, 1,000 female donkeys, and he also had seven sons and three daughters. And so this account of Job is very has been very valuable, valuable to me through the years and even today it's of great value. Job wasn't perfect but he was might near close to it and so uh, Jesus Christ is our prime example and we have other Bible characters such as Job to help us succeed. Now let's come to the life of Jesus. And let's talk a little bit about Judas. I don't want to be like Judas. The Bible tells us that Judas had the heart of a thief. And so money meant more to Judas than it should have. And he had an unscrupulous love for money. And so this put Judas in the devil's camp. He was one of the apostles, but yet, let's notice, as he begins to serve Satan. John 13, verses 1 and 2, Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that His hour had come that He should depart from this world of the Father, this is the death on the cross coming up, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved his followers, he loved them to to the end. And supper being ended, the devil having put in the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray Jesus. I shudder to think that Judas had a heart that the devil could influence him to betray someone as godly as Jesus Christ. But that happened. John 13, verse 27, Now after the piece of bread, Satan entered unto Judas, and Jesus said to Judas, What you do, do quickly. And so this is a sad occasion It's a sad occasion for Jesus Christ and for us to consider what took place with Judas that caused him to serve Satan, rather, Jesus Christ. I still wonder, just within myself, whether Judas had seen Jesus escape all of this before you know he could just disappear out of the crowd and those that were seeking to kill him couldn't find him I don't know what Judas was thinking but the end result is very bad because Judas was not thinking like a Christian he it says here in Matthew 27 verse 3 Judas, the betrayer of Jesus, seeing that Jesus had been condemned, he was remorseful and brought back the thirty pieces of silver to the chief priests and the elders. He wanted to change this back to the way it was. But guess what? He had started down this path, and there was no going back. He says to those chief priests and to the elders, saying, I have sinned by betraying innocent blood. But they said, What is that to us? We're not changing it. See to it. Then he threw down the pieces of silver in the temple and departed and went and hanged himself. Again, protect your heart. Judas failed to protect his heart, and so he fell victim to... Satan. Matthew 8, verses 28 through 32. Jesus displayed over and over and over when he walked on his earth that he was supreme over Satan. There's no question in it. Matthew 8, verse 28. When he had Jesus come to the other side to the country of the Gergesenes, there met him two demon possessed men coming out of the tombs exceedingly fierce so that one could not pass that way. Oh, they were vicious. And they cried out suddenly, What do we have to do with you, Jesus, you Son of God? Have you come here to torment, torment us before the time? And so they thought it was before the judgment day, so they shouldn't be tormented. Now a good way off from them were a herd of many fine sweeting. And this this is the two demon-possessed men. So the demons begged Jesus, saying, If you cast us out, they knew what was fixing to happen, permit us to go away into the herd of swine. And Jesus said unto them, Go. So when they had come out of the two men, They went into the herd of swine, and suddenly that whole herd of swine ran violently down the steep place into the sea and perished in the water. So, evil spirits, Satan is going to fail. Jesus is supreme. Jesus says in John 10, verse 10, The thief does not come except to steal, to kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life, They may have it more abundantly. You and I want life. We don't want death. We don't want what Satan brings to us. This is said in Colossians 1, verse 16. Let's see, I may be getting mixed up. I skipped 2 Corinthians 11, 13 through 14 for such are false prophets." Now there are lots of religious voices about us, but they can be false, they can be deceitful workers, transforming themselves into apostles of Christ, for it is no wonder that Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light. You and I need to stick to the Bible. Because Satan can appear like an angel to us. He can transform himself. And so that is how serious it is to keep your eye on Satan and to know what he is because he can even appear as an angel of light. Okay, let's go to Colossians one 16 through 16-18. By God, Jesus Christ, all things were created they're in heaven and they're in the earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through Jesus and God for them. He is before all things, and in Him all things consist. He is the head of the body, so He is Jesus Christ. He's head of the body of the church, Who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have preeminence. I pray that we stay on the path of following Jesus Christ. That is where all success is. Romans 6, verse 6 through 12. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, when we obeyed in baptism, That old person that we were was crucified that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. For he who has died has been freed from sin. Now, we died in Christ. We believe that we shall also live with Christ, knowing that Christ having been raised from the dead, dies no more, death no longer has dominion over Jesus Christ. For the death that He died on that cross, He died to sin once for all, but He lives to God. Likewise, do you also reckon yourselves to be dead unto sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus, our Lord? Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body that you should obey it in the lust. That is my challenge today. That is your challenge. Let's stay away from sin. Ephesians six ten verse eighteen as we wind up. Finally, my brethren, the writer says, be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God. Don't leave any of it on the rack. Don't leave any of it. Put it all on, the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the tricks of the devil, the wiles of the devil, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore take up the whole armor of God that ye may be able to withstand an evil day, and having done all to stand, stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness." Have your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace above all, taking the shield of faith with you, and you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. Fiery darts are the devil's tricks. Take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication of the saints. So we have the formula for su- success. First Peter 5 and 8, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He's not a lamb. He's, he walks The devil's a lion seeking whom he may devour. The devil's... In the jungle, eat when they want to eat, and they eat what they want to eat. So resist him steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. Satan just doesn't pick on me. He picks on us all. My afflictions and your afflictions, we all have the same afflictions. James 4, verses 6 through 8 God gives more grace, therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. When Job began to lose his humility, God showed him that he needed to be humble. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. I love that promise. If I'll resist Satan, he'll flee. He don't want to hang around. And so let's... Resist the devil. Draw near to God, and God will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double minded. And so we do have the keys for godly success. Last slide Revelations 20 and verse 10. Let's don't say stay in Satan's camp because this is said and prophesied. This is true. The devil who deceived his followers was cast in the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the prophet are. The devil and his followers are going to suffer tremendously. They will be tormented day and night forever and ever. So heaven is a wonderful place, but Hades is the opposite. It's forever and ever, and it's torment forever and ever. Joshua 24 and verse 15. Let's stick with Joshua as an example. He says there in chapter 24, verse 15, If it seem evil to you to serve the Lord, You better check things out. Choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. And he told those people there, there's lots of things in the world about us to serve. They had gods of the Amorites, gods this, gods that. But he said, you better pay attention. He says, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You and I need to be on this page of serving the Lord and taking all with us that we can on this path to heaven. This morning, I appreciate your kind attention very much. We'd like to offer the Lord's invitation. If you're here and subject gospel call, and would like to be baptized for the remission of your sins, and join this family of God, we invite you to come. If the prayers of the of church would be of benefit to you, please come as we stand and sing.